Hey everyone, thanks for listening. My guest today will be competing on September 11th at the Submissions on the Shore event in Spring Valley, California. She is a 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu Purple Belt from Austin, Texas. She's a certified PTA by trade and she's a former triathlete. And uh, we talk a little bit about triathletes and triathlons and uh, she even shared her aspirations to possibly get into ultra marathons later on after her jujitsu, uh, which if you're not aware of what an ultra marathon is, it's a hundred plus miles. Crazy. She's also an action athlete and she's the first female guest that I've had on my show. So give it up for Lauren Sears. But before we do, I want to give a quick shout out to action who sponsors this podcast and who last week had a really big week. Action launched a new website. And along with that new website was a new product called Active. And what's Active, you ask? Well, Active is a broad spectrum turmeric and hemp-based product that's great for anti-inflammation and antioxidation and is a great daily supplement if you're into natural supplements for health and well-being. See, if you're not aware, turmeric has curcumin inside of it. And curcumin is a really great natural supplement for anti-inflammation. The problem is the human body usually passes the curcumin through its system without absorbing it. And so by combining it with a black pepper extract that makes it bioavailable, I know it sounds so scientific, we're able to allow the body to absorb all this curcumin, providing the curcuminoids into the system and helping with the inflammation. So if you've got achy knees or muscles, uh, or maybe you know, you're just trying to be a little bit healthier in your day-to-day -day life. Try out Active. And if, again, you use code word CURIOUS, you'll get 15% off. And you'll get free shipping. How awesome is that? And by the way, while you're there, you must check out all of the specialty coffees that Action is known for. They're sourced from Guatemala. They're roasted in Austin, Texas, and we ship it directly to your doorstep. And if you drink it in a whole bean, ground, or K-cup, it doesn't matter. And we've got you covered from light roast to dark roast. Go to drinkaction.com today, code word curious, and get it while you can. Enjoy the episode. Yeah, I, I had never been to Austin until probably like six years ago, five years ago, maybe. And uh, I ended up in the Barton Creek area. And um, I spent most of the time that I was in the Austin area, quote unquote area, um, kind of out there and didn't really ever venture downtown until a couple of years ago. And obviously like so much talk about Austin, so many people leaving other cities and kind of running to this interesting blue dot in a red state mm -hmm. uh, in Texas, I can imagine, you know, just the last five years alone have probably just been a complete upheaval of normalcy for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, just getting busier mostly. Yeah. Has that coincided with a lot of growth in the BJJ community and probably even just skill level that kind of comes through 10th planet and other gyms in the Austin area is folks from other disciplines and, you know, working under other coaches and bringing influence into the Austin area that weren't previously there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The, we've, uh, even in the last, this last year, I feel like it's grown so much. Um, 
on the striking side of things too, especially like I, I did um, like MMA and Muay Thai before I ever got into jujitsu. And uh, there was a couple times like I was trying to set up a fight and I, you know, I, at the time, like I couldn't afford to like travel real far and spend that kind of money, you know, but um, so I was looking for like local fights and it was really hard to find matches um, in the area, especially I guess like being a female. But, um, but now um, it just seems like it's grown a lot. There's a lot of opportunity for like smokers and, um, and events. And then as far as jujitsu in this last year, it just seems like it's grown a lot. We've had a lot of people um, move out here, a lot of coaches from like California. And then we have people visiting all the time now, just dropping in to train. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's definitely, I've seen it grow like a lot in just the last like year or two. Yeah, no, it's, you probably hate hearing stuff like this. Like I was even telling my wife, I'm planning a trip to Austin just for some things with action, which by the way, thank you for, you know, joining on board. We're excited to have you, but you know, I'm here in Pittsburgh and uh, Pittsburgh's kind of a unique little city itself. It's very, it's very blue collar. It's very, um, you know, kind of still has that steel city, that real hard work, Western PA mentality. Um, but it's been infused a lot with companies like Uber um, is, is one that kind of comes to mind. I think Amazon has some presence here now and a lot of tech companies and robotics companies have been coming to the area. And it's, it's been cool because they've recognized to, it's important to keep the nostalgia and the feel of what Pittsburgh was, but still being able to embrace what's going to help get it to the next phase of its growth. And it, Austin always reminded me of that, albeit a little different. It's, more Texas than it is Pennsylvania. And it's, you know, but the people, the culture, I love Austin. And I told her, I'm like, as action continues to grow and I have more of a need to be in the Austin area, probably isn't a bad place to like maybe make ourselves a little more familiar with. And maybe you can kind of see if you like Austin and I don't know, maybe we'll buy a house and move to Austin, <laughs> you know, kind of like slowly nudge down that way. But I, I love it there. So lucky you. Yeah, a lot of people do. Like, it's it's kind of got the best of both worlds. It's got everything. You got like, you know, your uh, downtown city life, you know, and then there's the trail that runs around the city, and mm -hmm. you can get out um, within like a 15 minute drive. Just be out in the in nature. So it's and then you know it was the music capital of the world, uh, one of them. But yeah, uh, tons of like live music and festivals and just always something to do out here. Are you big into music? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I used to go to the South by Southwest and ACL festivals. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, hopefully that'll be back next year. But yeah. it's, uh, it's a big part of, I think, what draws people to Austin. And then I hear constantly from, from everyone who comes to visit that it's just like a friendly vibe out here. Everyone's pretty chill. Yeah, I have a, a good friend. He's been on here before. Um, his name is J.D. Casper. And he plays a lot of the music scene uh, in Austin. He's from my hometown in Bradford, PA. And he lived in LA. And actually, I think he, it's funny, he told a story on here. He joined on board a cruise line and was like the musical act of a cruise line through Alaska. And then just decided one day, like, I'm done with it. I'm going to move to Austin. And he's really thrived there. He's kind of turned his career on supercharge and he's, he's done a lot of really cool stuff. And I know he, he swears by it. The, the opportunities don't match up to how friendly a lot of people are. And I'm sure you still have bad big city vibes, but I mean, it's uh, I've never had a bad experience when I've been down there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
So MMA prior to BJJ, um, not the transition that I would have thought, I actually would have thought it would have been the opposite, like kind of get yourself involved in jujitsu and then find yourself picking up a fight. But how did you, how long ago was that? And how did you find yourself throwing fists at other chicks? Um, man, I guess that was like, it's like 10 years ago. Um, okay. I started actually like, um, yeah, really getting into martial arts. I, so before any of this, I competed in triathlons professionally and, oh, wow. um, I did that for a couple years and what kind of put me in the direction of martial arts is that I got injured and I just like, I, I wasn't great about my recovery. I was real stubborn and impatient. So I would train through, um, when I probably shouldn't have. And so it's just took a long time. I, I, I ended up, so what happened was I broke my ankle and it kind of like, it was all of the ligaments and tendons surrounding it were pretty messed up. And, uh, so I just like, I couldn't run and I couldn't train to compete, um, in triathlon for, it took about, it was probably at least a year, maybe two years before I could run over like six miles without it hurting me. Wow. So in the meantime, I started just doing regular workouts and then, um, and then I that, that school that I was at where I was lifting at also had a Kramaga studio there. And so I started learning self-defense um, just like, just as, uh, you know, trying to learn self-defense. And I jumped into it and I just fell in love with it. Kind of a similar thing. I was in, I played baseball in college and left baseball and got into powerlifting and kind of found a passion in competing in the powerlifting scene and uh, was looking for a place to go and work out other than the local YMCA. And there was a MMA boxing academy that was kind of like the hip, kind of like underground cool place where all the tough guys would go. And so I was like, part of me kind of ego drove me there to be like, I'm one of the people that works out over here. And then it was, oh, I'll start doing some sparring lessons and I'll start working with other people. And then there was a guy that had a fight coming up and it was like, hey, can you give him some rounds? And then it was, hey, there's an event coming up in Ohio. If you want to, you know, step in, somebody needs an, a 185-pounder with low experience. And it just kind of slowly slid down that path. But I remember there was a couple of girls, and they were the two scariest people in that entire gym. Because it was the same thing. It was like 10 years ago. It was like 2011. And that was well before the Ronda Rousey's of the world kind of made it a popular destination for female athletes. And I remember even me being like, this is scary as hell. These two chicks, I mean, there, there were some really tough girls. And I, the respect level that you have, especially when you've been inside of a cage and had to fight somebody else, whether it's in training or in an actual event, mm -hmm. I, I've, man. When I first started out, I was like the only female too that was sparring. Um, you know, there were other girls that would take like the beginner self-defense classes, but like mm -hmm. I was one of the only females that were sparring. So I had to spar against all of these like dudes that were most of the time twice my size. Did that fill the void left from running right away? Like when you found martial arts or? Um, not right away. No. Um, I still like, I love to run. I actually just made it a recently made a decision not to run so much because I felt like it was contributing to some of like my injuries. Um, mm. 
is it's hard for me to not push myself uh, really hard when I run, even if I go out and I'm like, okay, I'm going to do a light run. And then I end up like, instead of running the one or two miles I originally planned on, I end up running six and not just <laughs> a really hard six miles, which mm -hmm. compared to what I used to do is nothing. But with the type of training I'm doing now, it's just not, um, I just don't think it fits well. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it was a hard transition at first, uh, just because it, it was hard to give that up and accept that like, you know, I wasn't going to compete on that level in that sport any longer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not a good runner. My, it's like my bane of existence. I try to keep it into my regimen as much as I can. And more so because I hate it so much. It's like a mental thing. I force myself to run because it's like, if I can force myself to go and run today, I can kind of force myself to do anything today kind of thing. I have a brother who wakes up every morning at four o'clock in the morning and he goes for a run before the sun's even up. And he's same thing with you and he doesn't compete, but it's, I think it's like, I don't think he could function in a day if he didn't get up and, and kind of go through that therapy. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. And that's kind of like what it started out with. Um, as for me, um, when I was in high school, I, you know, I, I ran in track and then it, it was always like a, a therapeutic thing for me. Mm -hmm. um, I would go out and run and just be able to release stress and kind of work through things in my own head, you know, whatever it was that was going on that was bothering me. It was that meditative time for me. Mm -hmm. You had said that kind of like pushing yourself further and further and like I'm thinking competing. Um, I was having a conversation with someone yesterday and it was along the lines of like balancing life. And I sometimes feel like I'm on this teeter totter where I feel like I know the level that it takes to be successful at something, you know, whether it's in, in a business or athletic pursuit and not that I've always been successful, but I think there's a point and you probably can relate to this where just the, and I want to be careful on how I say this to not sound like super arrogant or full of myself. But when you look at just a person that's kind of just floating through life and going about their nine to five without really a, a care or a goal to accomplish things, which is fine. Like that's all well and good, but I think there's a different mentality to understanding what it takes to accomplish hard, hard achieving tasks. And I think that same awareness can be a detriment because for me, like I know that it takes sleepless nights and sacrifice from family and kind of isolating yourself in relationships sometimes in order to be selfish enough to be successful. But that same awareness that I have that lets me know that that's something I need to do to, to achieve those goals is the same awareness that lets me know that like, I'm not being a good dad right now, or I'm not being a good husband or a good business partner or a good whatever. Um, and I, it came up because of the Michael Jordan documentary. And I envy in ways that that man was able to have the awareness of what it takes to accomplish goals, but with the intestinal fortitude to not take his foot off the gas when he felt like all of those relationships may have been falling apart or people were frustrated with his attention to them as opposed to his pursuits. And that's my struggle. And I, I bring that up because it sounds like you're similar in understanding the work and dedication that it must take to achieve those things. And I'd be curious because it's fresh on my mind, 
your take on that. And if you kind of ever have looked at it from the other side of that and thought like, man, like I'm, I'm letting other people down in these other areas of my life, or are you able to kind of focus in on your task at hand and really just plow forward at all costs? For sure. No, that's definitely, um, an ongoing struggle, uh, to try and find the balance and, um, yeah, I mean, it's actually, you know, it's, it's something I'm kind of like dealing with right now, like trying to figure out um, what direction I really want to go and um, realizing that there are sacrifices that you're going to have to make um, in order to get, in order for me to get where I want to be, ultimately. Um, I don't know, for the most part, I feel like I've always just kind of like pushed through that and then I'll try and make some, you know, step aside um, and find some balance, make some time for some friends and family, or um, if there's something that comes up in life, um, kind of put things on, not on pause, but kind of slow down for a little bit and take care of whatever that may be and then um, ramp it back up. But um, yeah, it just, it's, it's an ongoing uh, battle to find that balance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you're starting to compete at a higher level against higher level competition. So I'm sure, you know, and aligned with 10th planet. So, you know, I, I'm sure there's a level of accountability that you feel to the team when you go out there and represent 10th planet on the mats. So even more focus that needs to go into that. I mean, is your, and I guess maybe you're still trying to figure that out, like you said, but are, are you heading more in that direction? Are you seeking out more challenge in the form of competition for jujitsu? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've just, I've always been competitive. I've mm -hmm. always been an athlete and, um, it's, it's where I find like the most joy in my life. And it's where I feel like I, it's just something that it just drives me to one, um, be a better person. And it's not only like the physical challenge and, um, but also just that, that mental growth that it helps instill, but uh, yeah, for sure. Um, I feel like it's, uh, it's definitely, uh, I'm putting a lot more pressure on myself to, to perform at another level, because like you said, I, I have, um, uh, my team and my gym that I'm representing now. Yeah. I, you know, I took time off. I, <clears throat> I've had a lot of issues with my neck and more my own detriment of really not taking care of myself. And, um, I, there's a really great jujitsu academy here local um, in north north of Pittsburgh where I'm at, and um, just thinking about how getting back into that community of people, especially now, it's like you turn on the news and it's, everything's so toxic. And I think such a, a big part of it is people don't have challenge in their day to day life. And I it's that's not a new notion. I think a lot of people talk about that. It's like we're hardwired just through evolution to be dealing with problems. And I think we've made this life so easy through technology that people are looking for things to complain about. And when you start to find yourself in competitive pursuits, I think especially when you're an adult, because it's a choice, like as an adult, you don't have to like do these things as a kid, like mom and dad may make you go to practice. And so it's like part of being a kid, but as an adult, when you choose to go to jujitsu or you choose to do a CrossFit class or you you know, maybe it's even just, you know, going for a walk with your mom. I don't know. But like when you start to choose to do difficult things or pursuits, 
the people that are including themselves in those activities with you, A, I think there's like a, an ego that's dropped. It's like, we're all here. We're willing to be vulnerable and do this together. The fact that we might not agree on these political things, it's so, it, it highlights how little of importance there actually is on that shit and how much we've lost track of it. Because for the hour or two that you're putting that time in, nobody cares. And everybody gets along for the most part. Absolutely. I, I mean, in the gym, we have people from all different backgrounds, all different kinds of people, all different political views. And it doesn't matter. Like, mm -hmm. we're, we're all there to train. We're all there to get better. Um, and it's, it's that, the jujitsu or, you know, like you said, any other gym that you go to, it's that sport um, that brings you all together. Mm -hmm. And like you said, like, none of that shit really matters. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and it's interesting. I say this so much. People are, so, if they listen to this all the time, I guess I appreciate that they listen to it and can get annoyed, but it's such a creative endeavor, martial arts, but jujitsu, especially that there's not a lack of intelligence from the people that are involved in it. So, you know, I, I look at that and it's like, you have all these people who are very creative and imaginative and have such a wide range. I mean, Jesus Christ, 10th planet. Some of the things that I see people posting about, I, I love it. You know what I mean? It's just, it is, it's such a pool of ideas. And I think too, there's probably some benefit when you are exposing yourself to other ideas and you're allowing yourself in an, in an area, in a, in a medium where there isn't arguing and fighting where you can hear somebody else's opinion and not be inclined to hurry up and type something back because it's on Facebook. It's like there's a mutual respect because you're both doing this hard pursuit. And so because of that, you're open-minded to hear things. And whether that's a political idea or maybe a new variation on how to sweep someone, it, you have to kind of have that open mind. And that, to me, A, for my physical fitness and my health, and just getting back in a, in the right place, I'm really pushing to get more consistent with training. But just for a sense of normalcy for a couple of hours of my life, I feel like I need it for that just as much. It definitely draws in a bunch of different opinions. And like you said, like it just, it keeps you open-minded. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's like, even if you don't agree, um, like you said, like we're not, nobody's going to, backlash or argue, you know? Mm -hmm. So you have a match coming up on September 11th. Mm -hmm. Is that right? In California? Mm -hmm. San Diego at the uh, submission on the shore. Awesome. Who are you competing against? Um, Gabrielle De Hoya Gomez, I think is her name. Awesome. So when you're preparing for something like this, what's, what is that preparation like compared to, I guess, what a typical preparation for MMA would be, or even just a typical, Hey, I'm coming to class. I mean, what type of strategy are you watching film on your opponent? Are you devising a plan front to back? And I'm sure it's probably dependent on the rule set that you're entering into as well for that competition. Yeah, so um, rules definitely come into play as far as strategy. Mm -hmm. um, and then, like, say for fight to win, um, you get points by um, weak submissions, strong submissions, or uh, slams. Other than that, like, takedowns or, um, like, passing or 
like more dominant positions, you don't get points. So you take that into account and it's like, so for that one, it's like all submission hunting, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is, I love, but um, for sure, like uh, any opponent, like just kind of watch a little bit of video, get an idea and feel for what their style might be like. Like these next two girls that I'm fighting, they're um, they're pretty scrappy. They um, have good pressure, it looks like, and are pretty good wrestling. But uh, but I don't go too deep into like trying to plan out what I'm gonna do or or anything. Like I I mostly just sharpen up um, what I'm already good at. I don't try and like learn anything new. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the time to do it. Just sharpen up on things I'm good at. Make sure my cardio is on point. Um, nutrition wise that way I don't have like a if I'm having to cut um, that way I have like a good weight cut make sure my energy is good for that and mostly like recovery is big it's huge getting good sleep making sure you know nutrition wise for weight cut but also for like energy wise Mm -hmm. and uh, and just doing like as much like rehab that I can like getting massages or cryo um, stuff like that yeah Mm -hmm. You're by trade in physical therapy, correct? Yeah, I just graduated um, PTA. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you probably have an even stronger understanding of the importance of recovery and just overall taking care of your body. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's if anything, it's more important than those hard days. It's just as, if not more important, than those days where you have the tough rolls or the long runs or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's when, that's when your body is, so you break it down so you can build it up and you've not given it that time to build up, then it's just going to slowly keep breaking down. And then that's when overtraining can happen and you can get an injury. So, uh, do you, really important. do you manage any of that through, I know like people use a whoop strap, other p- people measure heart rate variability in the morning to kind of understand where you're at from a training perspective, or do you kind of just try to feel out your body as best you can and understand where you're at and monitor it that way. It's a little bit of both. Um, I'll check my heart rate in the morning. Um, it's usually, it, so my resting heart rate's about 42. Mm-hmm. And if I see it's elevated, say in the fifties or even sixties, like first thing in the morning, it probably means like I need a rest day. Um, but I'll, I don't check that super consistently, but if I'm kind of feeling tired and fatigued, I'll, you know, and like run down, I'll, I'll mm-hmm. have a look at that in the morning. And then, um, you know, monitoring my, uh, my oxygen saturation. Um, sometimes I'll do it like before workout, during and after it gives me an idea of like where I'm at. Um, but otherwise I, I kind of pay attention to how my body's feeling. If I'm feeling really run down, that's usually a pretty good sign to take a rest day, do some recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's uh, and I I mean geez being a triathlete there probably isn't a better way to I I think of all the people I know who run and how in tune they are with their body and their training it's it takes a lot I I'm sitting here just imagining swimming after running and then after biking and uh, or how what is the I'm sitting here I'm like exposing how stupid I am what is the is there there is an order or is it not matter there's an order yeah it goes swim bike run. Um, can you imagine trying to like swim after you already like biked or ran oh, God, no. in the water? <laughs> oh, that's fine. I haven't been on a bike in holy shit too long. That's yeah. 
I need to get on, I need to buy a bike. I, I, I honestly, like, I haven't been on a bike outdoors in a long time other than like, okay, for a workout, I haven't for like a leisurely ride. Like I've done that like every so often, but I haven't done a workout on a bike in years. Um, now I have a spin bike in my living room and I'll get on that sometimes because it's just like a quick, easy way to get some cardio in that's like low impact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was watching the pellet. There was, um, ESPN was doing like Peloton challenges early on in the quarantine. And, uh, there's a girl, I think her name's Emma Colburn. Maybe I'm probably saying her name wrong. She's I think she lives in like the Portland area. She's a track and field professional, like team USA runner. I think she was a runner at the university of Oregon and, um, they had, I think Allison Felix was on there. They had like a couple professional soccer players. They had a volleyball player and they had this little meek sprinter, or maybe she's a distance runner. I don't know, but, um, they kind of had, everybody was pedaling slowly and just preparing for this challenge. And then it was like a 20 minute challenge with a Peloton coach live on ESPN. And this girl, I, she torched these people by, she quadrupled the amount of like output to the second place person just from that. And, uh, yeah, I was, I was super impressed, but yeah, bike. Last time I was in Austin, I think was the only time I was on anything with two wheels and it was those lime scooters Okay. that are everywhere. Yeah. And I went over a bankment yeah. of stairs and had to leave it on the sidewalk. So <laughs> it used to be everywhere. They came and like took a bunch of them. Out Did of they? Here, I think when all this COVID stuff started happening. Oh, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, they were littered. Every corner there was like limes and um, birds were the other ones, I think, right? I mean, there was a couple different brands or companies that were out here, but yeah, they were they were everywhere. Yeah, and somebody said they like just would show up and drop them off. And just like dump them all over the roads and leave them in a town. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a little it was a little crazy. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so you said there's a second match coming up. Is it before or after your September match? It's after the September match. Um, yeah, that'll definitely be my next one. I don't have anything before then. Um, I applied to the fight to win. Uh, there's, they're in Dallas right now. So they have like two more that's, that'll be after September 11th when I compete. So I applied for those two. So if I get one of those, then that'll be, um, before this other one I have lined up, which is in October. Um, October 10th, it's at the Submission Hunter Pro in Houston, and they have an all-women's event. So, um, Oh, wow. That's really cool. Yeah, we're seeming to find ourselves kind of organically in the BJJ community with action, and it's like been a dream come true for me to kind of like have product be accepted in a community of people who I really value and, and appreciate and want to be more and more of a part of. Um, not that we want to, you know, move away from anybody else. It's certainly not exclusive, but I think there's something about people in the jujitsu community to your point about like taking care of their body and finding natural ways to do so. You know, I, I was the habitual two to three cans of energy drink a day, you know, go to GNC, load up on every type of supplement that I possibly could to destroy my endocrine system and then leave myself probably in worse shape when I wake up the next morning than I was when I went to bed. And it's probably like the age in me as I get a little older and realize that there's actually a lot of benefit in natural 
supplements, things that are just derived from the earth. I'm a, you know, number one, I'm a huge cannabis supporter and advocate. So for me, I kind of like, after a few years, I'm like, well, geez, like the number one medical product that I leverage in my life or lean on in my life is a natural product. It's something that comes from the earth and CBD has been something that's really been beneficial for me. And I started to uncover the power of turmeric. And, you know, if you can get enough curcuminoids in your system, the hard part is like keeping them in your bloodstream. But if you can get enough in there, there is actual significant inflammation benefits. And as somebody that like probably has eaten holes through his stomach lining from eating bottles of ibuprofen, I was like, sign me up for anything that I can do. And I'm trying really hard to build out that um, you know, with the team building out a, a suite of products that give people the option that if they don't want to have to leverage pharmaceuticals or other types of, um, you know, supplementation, that's not natural, that they have a, an, an area to go. And for whatever reason, jujitsu community has really been one that's kind of gravitated towards that. So, um, having you on board as well as, uh, certainly an added bonus. So appreciate that. I love it. I've, drank the coffee this morning. <laughs> it's great. Excellent. Oh, it's really good to hear. Austin's so full of coffee. There's so much competition. There's so much good coffee in, in the Austin area. You guys are, are very lucky with that, but we're in good, good company. Do you, um, do you incorporate any water training? I know a lot of people in the Austin area have access to the lake. Um, when last time I was there, there was a, a gentleman that had a, out on the sandbar, he was running like a like a physical training type thing out in the, like doing water exercise. Yeah. Um, I was really wanting to, um, I, um, yeah, all the pools are kind of closed right now. But mm -hmm. I was wanting to work that into my training, especially after I went out to California. I don't know how long ago, a little over six months or so ago. And I, uh, jumped into one of their underwater torpedo league classes. Um, so they have, so Liz Carmouche, um, she leads, the this like workout that's underwater and they have like a, a a league where they play this this game with a torpedo underwater and you can do like jujitsu underwater something to get the the torpedo i don't know like all the rules of the details to the game but when i went out there we did just the workout that they do and uh you'll take like kettlebells under the water and do squats with the kettlebells at the bottom of the pool under there like maybe walk a distance or like we had like a some of them we did like bench press under the water and then like breath holds stuff like that and it was it was awesome it was one of the best workouts i'd ever done and before i ever got into martial arts i did similar workouts like that on my own in the pool at my apartment complex and um i loved it it's just one of those things too that's like it's very time consuming it's it takes a lot more time and effort and energy than than just throwing on a pair of running shoes or like going in the gym um so i didn't do it as often as um i really wanted to or or could have but um but it's something after doing that it like reminded me and i was like oh yeah i really want to work this into my training because you said like low impact um you're able to get you know the strength training benefits without enforcing that like impact on your body and so it almost felt like i got a really good workout but i wasn't like beat up from it so it was almost i, I could even do workouts like that as like a recovery or like look you know day in a sense yeah yeah i um i saw is it laird hamilton has like a lot of stuff that he does he has a gym in california somewhere 
that that's all it is, is like all underwater where they, they'll jump off with dumbbells and go down to the bottom and like walk a, a length of the pool and then come up with something else. And it just sounded so difficult and water freaks me out. So it's like a challenge in itself, but yeah. Yeah. But a good one. Yeah. yeah. No, it really is. I, um, like the whole Navy SEAL training, like all that stuff, it just freaks me out. But then that's more the reason to do it, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's uh do you know who David Blaine is? Uh, no. He's a magician, an illusionist. Um, he was on the Joe Rogan podcast. So I'm a big David Blaine fan. I love magic. And he had this show on television called David Blaine street magic years ago. I was probably in high school, maybe early years of high school. And, uh, he was like walking around the streets of New York city doing illusions, card tricks. Um, he did, you may remember he, he put himself in that block of ice in times square for three days. Um, he does, some things like magic, like very like card trick illusion type stuff. And then he does other things, which are more like feats of um, kind of more, I would say feats of the mind. And um, he was, a, I guess that was kind of what Houdini did a lot of both illusions, but also feats of the mind. And um, he's buried himself alive and he's preparing for this new stunt where he's attaching himself to helium balloons and flying up in the air over initially I thought it was just he was going over a river but he's actually been training to go 26,000 feet while attached by holding on to these helium balloons and then he'll pop the balloons when he's up in the air before he passes out from hypoxia and will skydive from 26,000 feet to the ground because it's been something that he's always wanted to do since he was a little kid he's had this image of himself floating into the air through the clouds holding a balloon and um i it blows my mind that there's people out there like that that it, it takes it an even layer further than what i was saying about recognizing what it takes to be successful i can't yeah. that doesn't compute for me but yeah. one of the things that he did was he held his breath for 20 minutes and he did it on um nbc it was like a live event and uh, he said that he trained with the Navy SEALs to do that. And that once he realized that you could pass out underwater and not die, as long as you had somebody there to help you get back up to the surface, that it actually became an addicting feeling of euphoria and kind of pushing yourself past that limit. And you said something earlier that I wanted to come back to, and it was kind of like running and, and going a little bit further and I wondered, like, when you do a triathlon, is there anything in you that, like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run this mile. And then, like, you, focusing on smaller increments, like, I can't imagine you start off thinking, like, okay, I just started this. I still have to finish swimming. Then I've got to run and bike. Like, you're probably like, okay, just get this next 100 yards, and then I'm going to go further. And he talked about doing that and saying how, anything he ever does, if he sets a goal, he always goes past it as well. So that he always knows that he's not just able to do what he set his mind to, but that if he needed to, he could go further. And it's all a game for when he finally goes to like accomplish that goal that in his mind, he knew that he ran past the finish line every time. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you're training for, if you're training for a 10 K, 
you're not going out and just running a 10k for training mm -hmm. you're running double that mm -hmm. um, on on certain days but yeah like in racing i was never like say i'm you know i got two miles to swim i'm never like i start out my swim i know i've gotten around 100 meters and be like oh i still have <laughs> almost nearly two miles to swim it's it's always like okay i'm there's this where i can see as far out of that little spot that's where i'm going and I, I gotta get there and i get there i'm like okay now I'm, I'm here, so I'm going to keep mm -hmm. going to this next spot and this next spot and this next spot. Um, but it's those little steps, yeah, that, that um, build up to that, that ending. Did you, were your swimming events, were they all in like inland bodies of water or were you s swimming kind of coastal shorelines of, of ocean or anything like that? It, it was everything, yeah. yeah. Um, had like lakes and oceans and um, even did some that like in just pools. Um, but like the bigger ones were were in like open water yeah yeah um, there was one when i went to nationals in vermont it was in this i don't even remember what lake it was but um it looked it was such a big lake it nearly looked look like an ocean and there had been like a storm the night before and it the water looked really choppy it was it, it looked scary and i remember like right before going out on this we we had to jump off this this long dock um, I was like, do I want to do this? Do I, this is, why am I doing this? And I never had that thought or that feeling before, but I was actually like nervous. And I was like, no, I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm just being a little bitch. Like, no, go. <laughs> so, um, so I, I, I swam, I did the race and everything and, and I finished, but, um, actually two people died in that, in that Jesus. race. And so I was like, okay, my fear was not like, it was, it was legit, you know, yeah. but, um, yeah, those those uh, the water is I think the most dangerous leg of the the race because you know it's easily you can drown. Like if you get tired of running, you just stop. If you get tired on the bike, you just you can yeah. stop if you have to, or if you cramp up or something. But yeah, that's a whole d savage type of mindset. I mean, the, there was a a triathlete I think a few years ago that got eaten by a shark in San, off the coast of San Diego, I think, and. Yeah. I mean, that's the chances of that happening are probably so slim, but God, imagine if that was like, I don't know if I want to jump in here today. I just have a bad feeling. Oh, just don't be a bitch. Then you yeah. get like a hundred yards into your swim and you get chomped yeah. in half. Like, uh, yeah, actually like one of my first open water swims, that's like, I set like a PR on my swim because about so so far into the swim I realized and this was like early morning at like four or five in the morning and it started so it was still like dark outside it had stormed the day before and uh and so again like the water was super choppy and it was dark and I got so far into the swim and I realized I was like oh wait I'm in the ocean there are sharks in the ocean <laughs> and so I freaked myself out and then I started swimming faster and ended up setting like a PR for that just out of sheer fear <laughs> But yeah, that's what's great about those races. It's, um, it's such a rewarding feeling at the end of it. Mm -hmm. um, and like, uh, so you're talking about like Navy SEALs earlier, right? Mm -hmm. um, I always wanted to go into the Navy SEALs just because I was like, I want to put my body and my mind through that kind of torture. That way, like, I just, I loved like being, I love putting myself in situations that seem crazy and impossible. Mm -hmm. um and being able to like just do it anyways and uh so you know david goggins yeah oh yeah 
yeah, yeah. everybody knows him um oh, yeah. so he i'm I'm almost done reading his book right now, but he was talking about how, you know, he went through the seals and the hardest thing he ever did was run a hundred mile race. It was yeah, like, yeah. I was going to ask you if you ever had kind of looked or dabbled in the ultra world. Cause that's a whole nother. Um, okay. So I'm glad you kind of touch on Goggins. Cause I mean, that's, I don't know. If, yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, between that and Jocko's book, the, I mean, you could go back and forth between the two of those, whether it's content on social media or just reading what they've written about discipline and hard work and challenging yourself. Un, I mean, those are the idols that unfortunately don't get uh, focused on enough in society. And would actually, I think too many people criticizing them for embracing that type of mindset. Mm -hmm. I haven't heard the criticism. Yeah, I, I think a lot came towards Jocko when he was on uh, Rogan's podcast recently and they talked about police reform and, you know, he just gave his mindset. And I think he talked about kind of the nuanced approach, like you can have a mindset of this is a bad idea, but that we need to make changes and that, you know, taking away funding from the police in, in all actuality, it's counterintuitive to what people are, why people want to do that. And his point was, he agrees that there's egregious things that we're seeing, and that it's a result of poor funding. And so removing funding away from the police isn't going to change the problems that everybody's upset about, but that it's only going to make them worse, because you're going to have less money to train poorer candidates to do a job that's already really difficult. And nobody wants to admit that the job's difficult, because they would rather point out the flaws of the people doing the job, which he was like, I totally agree. We've seen really shitty people doing a really shitty job, but that doesn't mean that it's a job that doesn't need to be done and done very well. And we need to pay for that. And I, I've, I read, and I'm sure I'm probably focused on some of it. And when I d dove in, it's all you see, but a lot of people just kind of like taking shots at that. And to me, that's somebody who's lived it. He's put, his, yeah. he's put his money where his mouth is, so to speak. And it's experience that's driving that. And I think we should be embracing more people like him as opposed to just politicians who don't really have any real world experience, but only a vested interest in what the people who are voting for them come said election are saying in the moment. And that doesn't solve our problems. It just kind of like guides us into more. And, you know, I... I don't know. That's that. I don't think you can criticize that for real, but people try and uh, it's unfortunate, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. So, but no, I'd like to see him even maybe run for office of some sort, you know, in, in a position that uh, would actually get some things done. Like he, Jocko should run for like state rep or some, something where he can put his ideas into motion like running for president would be like the guy who the hell would want to be the president of the, I think if you want to be the president, you're, you're crazy, but. Big job. Whew, yeah. No, thank you. I'll stick in my little corner of the world doing my little things, but yeah, no, it's uh it's insane. Um, I'm trying to think of what else I wanted to cover with you before I, I let you roll. Oh, um, so have you ever done a triathlon or, or any ultras? Or, or I haven't. Ultra. I haven't. You know, I um, 
I, I got into run the most I ever got into running was when I was training in MMA and it was just to try to build up that endurance and to kind of test my mind. I think I got to like the six or seven mile mark and that was like all that I could withstand mentally. I got a lot of my endurance or at least I thought I was getting a lot of my endurance from functional, you know, training rounds and stuff like that. But different type of endurance. Um, I would, I'd love to, uh, I think, I think I would probably get addicted to it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is addictive. Um, and it, it's very time consuming. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of hours. Um, I, I thought, I thought about like whenever maybe 10, 15 years from now, I'm, I'll, I feel I'm going to be doing jujitsu the rest of my life, but um, once I'm not like so competitive anymore, yeah. um, I think I do want to do an ultra. Uh, it's something like I had always, back when I was doing triathlons, I planned on doing it. I just never got around to it. But uh, I went, I went on a trip to Colorado with a friend of mine, um, maybe like a month or so ago. And um, one of her, the guy she was dating at the time that we went out there to see, he was an ultra endurance uh, mountaineer guy. And he also had done like uh, cycling, like he raced with Lance Armstrong. And mm. so he, he took me to the top of this like mountain we climbed and I'd never been at any elevation other than I, I guess like here in Austin. Um, but, um, ended up climbing to 13,000 feet and, uh, back down. And I think we did it in four hours, but I loved it. I loved it. And, uh, he, he told me after the fact, he was like, you know, you could be a really good um, ultra racer. And I was like, yeah, I think that's something I could definitely see myself doing like years down the road, um, the off-roading, like maybe the mountaineering. Um, I'd probably just want to go do a hundred mile race once for the hell of it, but like to be competitive or consistently, the mountaineering, I think would be really fun. Yeah. It's funny how people get into that later in life. You know, you say that, but I've heard that in kind of listening in on different people talk about ultras that it's something that you you would think it's like young people initially like very athletic top prime but it's folks who have logged the miles and really trained their mind to be able to accomplish that because it's you kind of cross a threshold that no amount of physical fitness can take you to the finish line it's really a mental pursuit yeah yeah. And I guess if you're trying to win, you got to be at a certain pace. Mm-hmm. But if you're just trying to do it, you can do it at any stage in life. Yeah. And like with jujitsu right now, like, like I've got to be competitive now. I can't later. So I'm like, all right, jujitsu, martial arts now. And then when, you know, my body's not at that place where I can be real competitive like I am now, then I can move into the ultra endurance mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. No, it's such an, it's a really interesting world. I've started following people like Courtney Walter. I don't know if you've, if you follow her, she, um, she won the Bigfoot 200, which was a 200 mile race. And she came in first place and the second place finisher was 7.8 hours behind her, almost a whole eight hours in a 200 mile race. She, she could have like come back showered, taken a full night's sleep and gotten up by by the time that they finished. And she's just like a savage, unreal. Um, I I love Cam Haynes and kind of follow along into your, like the time consuming aspect. I, I'm blown away. I'm like, 
I want to know the magic. We talk about magic and David Blaine that should connect him and Cam Haynes. Like what's the magic trick? The guy's running a hundred miles a week, every week, shooting a bow nonstop and doing it all. And I'm busy and I can't get five things in my story. Sometimes on Instagram, I go to Cam Haynes. He's got like 40 little check marks. He's got like every other step of his morning run. He's got shooting bows. He's, you know, working, he works a full-time job supposedly still. I mean, it's, <laughs> I don't know how these people, how they do it, but uh, it's, uh, I actually, <laughs> I had a lady reach out to me. I'm going to give her a shout out. I think it's jujitsu granny. So she's 70. I think she said she's 71 and she's like big into jujitsu. Uh, I've never seen her on, on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she sent me a message. Uh, she came across uh, a clip from the podcast when I was talking about, go figure, jujitsu. And um, she was like, this is so true. This has been a huge benefit to me. I was like, I might reach out to her at some point and try to have her on the show because I, I got to understand what that, do you have anyone at 71 years old at 10th Planet in Austin? Anyone close? No, not in jujitsu. Um, back when I was like coaching triathlons, um, I had a woman that came in and she was like 74 and she won the um, master's world championship and oh, she wow. had just started training at like in her sixties. It was pretty insane. Wow. Yeah. But jujitsu at 10 planet now. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, who knows? I think we'll probably, you and I may have the opportunity to live to be 150. So 71 might not be that old by the time we get there. I don't know. The more I hear, if you take active every night, you might live to be like 200. I should be careful. I can't say stuff like that. I'll get in trouble, but <laughs> recovery. it's all about recovery now, hundred um, percent. So how can people support you on September 11th for your, your upcoming match? Cause I, I know we'll be sharing anything we can letting people know. Um, but I want to spread the word because I think, uh, the more eyeballs that we can get on you, the better. And, uh, yeah, I guess just, uh, just sharing that the events going on, um, it's going to be streamed live. So, um, you can go on and go ahead. I think it's only like, don't, I don't remember the exact price, but it's like anywhere from seven to $14 just to like order it online. Uh, you can stream it, and if you're in the California area, just um, it'll be at Spring Valley, to Plant Spring Valley, um, on the 11th and the 12th. So the 11th, um, there's some super fights, and on the 12th is the tournament, I believe. Um, I'm not exactly sure on the dates, but it, it's going to be over a two-day period. Um, so yeah, just sharing it on social media, getting the word out that it's going on, um, and then tuning in. Awesome. Who do you know who else is on that card with you? The super fights? Yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of like high level girls that are competing. Um, blanking. Uh, there's a lot, of them. <laughs> but yeah, a lot of girls from the area and um, I think a few that are, are traveling. Um, but you know, California is just saturated with high level competition. So it's going to be mm. all around like a really good show. Well, awesome stuff. I appreciate you hopping on a ton. And um, if we get to Austin, I think uh, we're going to try to bring Rumble um, to Austin to do some stuff. So uh, I know my better half in the business is uh, kind of working some angles to make sure we can find a spot for him to train 
during his comeback. So I will certainly let you know when that's happening. It'll probably be shortly after your trip to California. So um, we'll keep you in the loop on that. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Um, and uh, yeah, when y'all come into Austin, let me know. We'll meet up. Love to, love to meet you in person. Without a doubt. I appreciate it a ton. Have a great rest of the day.